0: this morning. And uh, this is such a great, great scripture, a great passage of scripture. And um, it is full of prophetic um, foretellings of what Jesus was going to say and do in his ministry in the earth. And uh, it, you, you read it and you can kind of see bits and pieces of how God was telling what was going to happen, what God was going to do in the earth and how he was our redeemer. And uh, we begin our message this morning in Psalms 107. If I can get this thing to cooperate, we'll we'll be looking at Psalms 107. All right, here we go. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Psalm 107 verse 1. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. When you look at this psalm and the whole Psalm 107, you'll see this theme over and over about how God is our Redeemer. And the word Redeemer is an interesting word and has uh, interesting, uh, you know, Word pictures and stories associated with it. Many stories in the Bible that that reference a redeemer, and a redeemer is someone basically who who takes something that is broken or um, uh, you know uh, sick or uh, dysfunctional or even in slavery or maybe uh, down and out and takes that thing and purchases it and then. Refurbishes it or restores it. You know, you might think of um, someone who might take an old piece of furniture. You can go on YouTube and find um, restoration videos. You know, and they take an old antique piece of of machinery or uh, uh, an old pen antique piece of furniture, and they they sand it down. You know, and they buy it really cheap because it's it's broken down and rusted and falling apart. And they they restore it. They repolish it, refurnish it, reupholster it, and, and bring it back to life. And, and that is the idea of redemption, taking something that is broken, that is used, that is falling apart, that is, is uh, you know, uh, not, not working the way it should, and then restoring it back to a functional place. And this psalm is written some point after the Jews return from their captivity in Babylon and Persia, and they start to rebuild the temple. And uh, the context of this story is that that god 's people had fallen away from their walk with him. they had begun become like the the nations that enslaved them. They had become like the rest of the world, mistreating one another and, and not taking care of each other and and uh, even enslaving one another and doing all kinds of despicable things and sacrificing to other gods and worshipping other gods instead of worshiping the one true God. And so God removed his hand of protection from them, and they became captured by bigger, larger nations like Babylon, Persia, Assyria. And um, these nations captured them and took them as slaves to their homeland and destroyed their temple, tore down their walls, desecrated their lands. And and now these people who have been in captivity for over 70 years— are now returning home. God has opened the door. They've repented. They've begun to turn their hearts back to him. And he begins to open the doors for them to go back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, and rebuild the walls. This is before the time of Christ, before the time of Jesus. And they go back to Jerusalem. And they begin to build the walls one brick at a time. They, re- they start restoring each gate. And the city of Jerusalem begins to be restored and rebuilt and, 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 and renewed. And this idea of redemption begins to restore in their hearts and their minds. And so the psalmist is writing this, this song of praise to God. And he's saying, give thanks to the Lord because his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He was identifying for the people that we have been bought back. We were in slavery. We were captured by our enemies. But God has allowed us to return back to the land that we called home. He's redeemed us. He's purchased us again. He's he's given us a new opportunity to turn things around and and, and make things right again. And so they begin rebuilding the temple. and, And the psalmist begins to take us through four movements four four stories four word pictures in psalms 107 that describe the work of the redeemer the redeemer the one who comes to purchase us from slavery he begins in psalm 104 107 verse 4 and he tells the story of those who wandered in the desert he says some wandered in desert wastes finding no way to a city to dwell in hungry and thirsty their soul fainted within them and then they cried to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress the psalmist is making a reference to the wandering of god's people in the wilderness and how god provided for them in their way of trouble you think back to moses and the people of israel before they were in captivity they'd just left egypt they're a new nation And they're wandering through the wilderness and they begin to complain to Moses, we have no food to eat, no water to drink, no bread, no meat. And God begins to perform miracles, bread, what they called manna, begin to fall from heaven every morning and they would gather it and collect it and and grind it. It was like a coriander seed or like some kind of a, a grain that was probably blown from the winds nearby. And God caused this grain to blow in their direction. And every morning they had enough manna to supply, to make bread, and to make different things that they could make into cakes and eat it. And they called it manna, which means bread from heaven, or uh, what is it? We don't know. It's just bread from heaven. It keeps falling from the sky every morning. God caused water to come out of a rock. Wherever they were, they could they could get water. Wherever they were, God caused the water to flow and allowed them to be restored. And then every evening, God would cause the winds to blow a certain direction, and uh Herds of quail or, or flocks of quail, I should say, would come in from the sky and would land in their general area and they could harvest the meat, the quail meat. And they had bread in the morning, meat in the evening and water in the afternoon. And the, the psalmist is writing, he says, let's remember the works of God. Let's let's remember when we were in a desert land and God provided for our, our our food. And the Redeemer is the one who provides for us when we're wandering, when we're struggling, when we're dry and we're thirsty. He meets us at the point of our need and He provides what we have need of. That's what the Redeemer does. That's what God does. And here they were. They were coming back from their, their slavery in Babylon and they're, they're returning home and on their way home They're wandering in the desert, finding nowhere to find food, and God begins to provide for them. And we skip ahead into the New Testament in Matthew chapter 14, and we, we read a story that is carefully placed in the New Testament to help point you back to Psalm 107. This story is carefully placed in Matthew 14 and in Mark 8, two different accounts where Jesus. is doing ministry. And people hear of his ministry and they begin to follow him out into the wilderness. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 14, we read, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Throughout in the desert, throughout in the wilderness, and Jesus is ministering to people that have followed him out into a place where there is no food, no water, and it's getting late in the day. In Mark chapter eight, the story is is told from a different occurrence, same 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 event happening, but just at a different time. There's two different events, but the same thing happened both times. And his disciples answered him and said, from whence can men satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? They had a problem. The people had followed Jesus into the wilderness, but they didn't bring a packed lunch. They didn't supply their need. And so the Bible tells us the story of how Jesus took just a few loaves of bread and a few pieces of fish and began to multiply it and fed 5,000 men plus women and children easily ranging into the ten or 12,000 people Jesus fed with the miracle of provision. And so we read, just like the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness, God, who was their Redeemer, has become flesh. And it's interesting that God is repeating Himself over in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, he met the need of the people in the wilderness when they wandered and they had left as slaves from Egypt and God provided bread and meat for them in the wilderness and here Jesus, the same God manifested in the flesh, uh, is meeting people in the wilderness. They have no water, no bread, no fish, no meat and so Jesus miraculously provides for them in the middle of the wilderness. I'm here to preach to you a message that Jesus is the Redeemer. Jesus is the embodiment, the the fleshly representative of God. He is God manifested in the flesh. He is God revealed in human form. God became a man and dwelt among us. The same God who redeemed his people in the Old Testament when they were hungry and wandering in a desert is now meeting people in his own desert multiplying bread and fish and feeding the multitudes. And say, well, those are great stories. Those are great stories. I would love to see that kind of miracle today, Pastor. How how is Jesus? Jesus was their Redeemer. God was the Redeemer of Israel, and Jesus is the Redeemer of the New Testament. So how, how does that translate into my life today? Jesus taught the very same people who partook of the bread and the fish that day that there is another kind of hunger that transcends your physical hunger. There is another kind of need that you have that's deeper than just the emptiness of your stomach or the quenching of the thirst of your throat. John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus made the com comparison and the contrast by saying the same way that bread satisfies your physical man i am the bread that will satisfy the whole Within your life, I am the peace that's missing from your life. I am the peace that's missing in your marriage. I am the peace that's missing in your family. I am the peace that's missing on your job. I am the peace that's missing in your in your uh, uh, your anxieties and your depression. I am the peace that's missing. I am the bread of life, and if you eat of me, if you partake of me, if you follow me, if you believe in me, then you will never. Be hungry, again, you will have all that you need. Jesus said in John 7 He said, If anyone will come unto me, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus told his, the people there that day that it's not just bread that you need, but it's water. The bread represents the Word of God. It represents the reading and the studying and the understanding of God's Word and how it applies to you. You think of bread when you cut a nice, fresh loaf of bread and you slather some butter on it or maybe some jam or peanut butter. I hope I'm not making you too hungry. It's getting close to lunchtime. And and you, you put that piece of bread in your mouth and you chew it and you eat it. Your body does the work to digest the bread and it turns into energy into your body. That carbohydrate goes to work, giving you strength to move and to to work and to run and to play and to think. It, It supplies your body with energy. And so it is with the Word of God. When you partake of God's Word like you're doing right now by listening to someone preach to you or teach to you what God's Word has to say, you're spiritually partaking of God's word, but then you've got to let it digest. How do I do that? Well, the Bible uses the word to meditate on the Word of God. That means when you go home, you've got you really should have a way to to uh, remember. Maybe write a note or or listen to the recorded message again later on this week, or uh, some some way to re re. Uh, Revitalize that word in your spirit. Uh, the Bible uses the word meditate, and the word meditate isn't like what you think of when you think of yoga. You know, people sitting on the floor and they say, Yoga says, empty your mind, you know, clear your mind, free your mind, you know, d- d- remove distraction and meditate. That's not the biblical definition of meditation. The word meditate in the Bible means to mutter. To mutter to yourself as if you're talking to yourself under your breath. So, so the world's definition of meditation is empty your mind. But the biblical definition of meditate is fill your mind. Fill your mind with what? Well, fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with what you've learned from Scripture. Fill your mind with the things of God. The Philippians 4 tells you like this: whatsoever things are good true, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. What am I doing? I'm digesting the bread that is the Scripture, the Word of God, and it gives me strength. It gives me energy to do the work and the will of God. See, I've recently... I've recently discovered um, like a mini breakthrough in my Bible reading. For years and years, I, I approached Bible reading from the perspective of, I'm a good Christian if I read my Bible. And that, I mean, that—that that is true in its own right. I'm a good Christian if I read the Bible every day. The problem with that is when I neglect to read the Word of God that particular day, then by virtue of that reasoning, I am now a bad Christian. If I'm a good Christian when I read the Bible, then I must be a bad Christian if I don't read the Bible. Well, that just produces a lot of shame and guilt. And that tends to push us away from doing that thing again because we, we you know, might have a perfectionistic mindset. Well, I have to read so many chapters a day. I have to read so much of the Bible. I've got to check off those boxes on my reading plan, right? and maybe you've never struggled like this before but this is this has been somewhat of a, a, an approach to reading the bible for me and and lately the lord has just been kind of gently gently impressing on my heart don't approach the bible from the perspective of reading it because you want to be a good christian approach the bible from the perspective of reading it because you want to know god i don't i now i try not when i go to read the bible i'm not i'm, I'm not saying to myself I'm reading the Bible, and man, I, I read my Bible today. I am, I am a good Christian today. I try, not to, I try to talk back to myself and say, no, it has nothing to do with me being a good or a bad Christian. That is totally a dysfunctional way of thinking. I'm not going to think like that. Instead, I'm going to approach the Bible from, I want to know what God has to say. And if I only read three verses, guess what? I read three verses of what God has to say for me today. And if that's all the time I had for today, at least I, I spent some time reading the Word. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just, man, I got to spend a few moments reading what God has to say to me. I want to know Him. If I spend time in His Word, I'm going to know Him better. If I know Him better, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going I'm to grow in my understanding. I'm not gonna, it's not a good or a bad. It's a closer to Him approach. It's what Jesus said when he said, I'm the bread of life. Listen, nobody has to put it on a checklist for me to eat a slice of bread every single day. I don't put that on my to-do list. I don't put on my to-do list eat lunch. Now, some people, I know they might, you know, food's not a big deal for them, and they really have to set reminders and alarms when to eat their lunch or when to eat their breakfast. Not me. I can be the craziest, most busy day, and I will take a lunch break. It's funny, my, my wife and I are, are, are somewhat different. When we've had dinners here at the church, she's busy bustling around helping and doing things. And, and I am too, I'm still working hard and we come to the end of the dinner and she goes, I'm starving, I didn't take a break to eat at all. I said, really? I just kept, I just kept eating while I was working. I never, I I made sure I got my plate in. I made sure I got my, because nobody's got to remind me when to eat. It's going to happen. If I have to work and eat, I'll work and eat. But I will eat. Nobody has to put a checklist on me to eat because I want the food. That's the approach Jesus wants us to take with the word. That's the approach he wants us to take in our devotion life. It's not nobody's going to have to tell me when to read the Bible. Reading the Bible becomes like eating bread. It's Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And if you want life, you're going to partake of my words and let them get into you and let them be part of your life. Digest the word. How do I start that, Pastor? Well, you've you, you got to first start about with how you think about reading the Bible. If reading the Bible is a checklist or a thing that makes you a good or bad Christian, change that perspective. Look at it now from the perspective of, I just want to know what God has to say. I want to know him. I want to meet him in the pages of the word of God. Then Jesus said, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. As as the scriptures have said, out of his belly, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. What was Jesus talking about? He's using metaphors. He's using, you know, word pictures to help me understand something spiritual. Jesus is talking about prayer. Out of my belly, out of my heart, out of the innermost being he's not talking about the blood vessel pumping organ that's in the center of your chest cavity he's talking about your inner person out of your inner person or out of your belly they used belly and heart interchangeably because it was that 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 guttural thing it's that thing when something really gets to you it hits you right here in the gut it hits you right here in the heart you feel it you, it's intense. It's, it's that, that deep inner thing within you. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What is the word flow that he used there is the same word for speech. In the Greek, it has the same root for speaking. Out of your heart shall pour out, shall speak, shall utter rivers of living water. When you are praying, especially when you're praying in tongues, when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost is praying through you, and you're praying in the Spirit, you're speaking in other tongues, the the Bible says you're edifying yourself. You're building up your spiritual man. Jesus said when you when you drink of that living water that that living water is the prayer that you pray out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water out of your prayer life is going to come that heavenly language out of your prayer life is going to come that praying in other tongues uh, and the spirit will make a prayer for you that you cannot pray for yourself Romans chapter 8 te- teaches us that when we don't know what to pray for the way we should uh, sometimes our prayer life is imperfect sometimes time our prayer life is, is, is off kilter. We don't exactly know how to pray about the situation. The Bible says that you can begin to pray in the in tongues. You can pray in the Holy Ghost uh, and allow the Holy Ghost to pray through you. And He will pray for you the perfect prayer. He will help your prayer. He'll, he'll come alongside you and say, okay, you don't know what to pray for. I'll begin to pray through you. And as you begin to enter into the presence of God and you begin to speak in other tongues, uh, as the Spirit gives the utterance. God is literally speaking through you in a language you don't understand, but your spirit understands it. There's something inside of you that connects with the prayer that's being prayed. And Jesus said it's living water that's flowing out of you. It quenches your thirst. This kind of practice changes the way we look at things. And this is how God is my redeemer. How how can God redeem me? This is what it was. See, they were wandering in the desert. They were... They were confused. They were aimless. They didn't know the direction to take. They didn't know how to get from point A to point B. And sometimes life can be messy like that. I don't know how to get from point A to point B. I don't know how to get from this section of my life to where I want to go over here. I don't know how to go from this place to that place. I need a redeemer. I need someone to come in and to fix the broken parts. I need someone to come in and heal the wounded parts. I need someone to come in and give direction to the wayward and confusing parts. I need a Redeemer. How do I do that? I ingest the Word of God, and I be- spend time in prayer. Oh, pastor, that, that, that's, you know, that's the old answer. Read your Bible and pray more. And sometimes it can come across as a trite answer. And it's by far the, not the end of the story. Just read your Bible and pray more. You'll get over it. No, sometimes you do need counsel. You do need the body of Christ. You do need brothers and sisters come alongside you. But if you miss these important ingredients, all of those other things will not work to their full potential. I've got to meditate on the Word. I've got to eat it like bread. Even if I'm only eating a few verses, sometimes you're like, man, I, I don't even know if I can read a whole chapter. Don't read a whole chapter. Read five verses. And then later on in the day, read five more verses. If that's not your usual, guess what? You just read ten verses of the Bible that you don't normally read. That's that, That's more that matters. That accumulative effect matters over time. And you say, yeah, but that didn't fix all my problems in one day. No, it won't. But over time, just like if you starve somebody, if someone comes from, from a, 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 an impoverished nation where they are deprived of nutrients and deprived of, uh, uh, of regular food, you can't try to make up all the time that was lost. You can't, you can't put, you know, three meals worth of food a day for all the meals that they've missed in the past and expect them to eat it in one sitting. Someone who's been without food for a week can only eat enough food to, to fill their stomach. For that moment. And it won't fix all the problems that the nutrient deficiencies have caused over time. But if you put them on a steady, regular diet of eating regular uh, times and regular intervals throughout the day, over time their body will heal itself. The same principle applies in the spirit. If you've been deficient in reading your Bible, not not delinquent, but just you've you've neglected it. It's not been part of your regular routine. Reading five verses today is not going to drastically change everything in your life today. But the cumulative effect of reading five today, five tomorrow, five the next day, by the end of the week, you're going to have read 20 verses. 30 verses that maybe an entire chapter by the end of the week if you've never read that much Bible in your life. That is more than you've ever read in your life and over time that will grow. Over time that will like nutrients to your spiritual man begin to work and you'll find that the verses will begin to come back. The more you read, the more you allow it to work, uh, the more it'll get stuck in your mind and you'll find yourself thinking about that verse you read this morning or thinking about that passage or that story that you read. Last night, and that that meditation will begin to happen. What's going on? You're digesting the word in the spirit, and then praying. Praying is not something you have to. You you know some some might think, well, I have to allot this hour of prayer in the morning. You know that old song, "Sweet Hour of Prayer." By 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 all means, you know, pray an hour for sure. But if that's not your pattern, pray ten minutes. It matters. It makes a difference. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come and drink. If you're thirsty, if you need something, Jesus is your Redeemer. Find your source in Him. He will redeem you. Jesus is my Redeemer. But He's only my Redeemer if I'll turn my heart to Him and seek him. If I'll come to his feet and partake of his word and allow it to become part of my life, that's how he becomes my redeemer. But Pastor, I have a very specific need, a very specific problem in my life that needs needs help. That's you know you might need some counsel for that. That's what your pastor's for to help you get over those little humps and maybe refer you to some professional counseling. That's that's totally normal. That's that's okay to get help in those areas, to re- recycle those thoughts and get them in alignment with a healthy thought pattern and a healthy way of thinking, you might need that extra help because the, the, you, the body needs each other. The Bible talks about the church is the body of Christ. Well, you know, if your finger gets cut, the rest of your body works together to heal the wound on that finger. The blood sends different antibodies and, and, and coagulating things to stop the bleeding. And then it begins to repair the wound and and rebuild the skin and rebuild the muscle and reattach the things that were cut. What's going on there? The whole body is working to repair the wound. And if the Bible talks about the church as the body, then we need one another to heal. We need one another to confess our faults to each other and pray for one another. We can't make it on our own. That's why we come to church. That's why we partake in a worship service. You You may not realize what's going on here, but there is a spiritual connection that's being made with the people around you that can pray with you and help you. And when life throws you a curveball or a storm or something really rocks in your life, the church can be an anchor for you. The, the, the house of God can be a place of refuge for you. I'm talking about how, how can Jesus be my redeemer today? It's not just some ethereal, some nice message message that you read about in the Bible, it's applicable today. Let Jesus be your Redeemer. Let Him redeem you. Let Him fix the wayward, wandering parts of your life. Let Him, let Him bring clarity to the questions. Let Him bring healing to the hurts. Begin to read His Word and pray and seek His face. Can we stand this morning? We're going we're gonna to sing a song here this morning just for a few minutes. And I want you to pray. I want you to close your eyes and focus your attention on the Lord.